podcasts from Aberdeen Standard Investment Trusts. Invest in good company. Hello and welcome to this Aberdeen Standard Investment Trust podcast. I'm Cherry Reynard. With me today is Thomas Moore, manager of the Aberdeen Standard Equity Income Trust. We'll be discussing how UK equity income is bouncing back after a period of weakness and Tom's strategy for the recovery. Welcome, Tom. Now, the Trust has had a strong run over the past six months. Can we start by talking a bit about what's driven that strength? Hi, Cherry. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, it has been a strong recovery. We are seeing a lot of strength driven by, I would say, four aspects. If I call them all the four E's. So we start with events. Events have been positive for our positioning. The Biden election, which has led to some hope of reflation. We can see the multi-trillion infrastructure bill going through and uh, potentially a green deal as well. Uh, We've seen that feed through to the economy, boosted, of course, by the vaccines. So events, economics, that's feeding through to earnings, um, 30. We're seeing some very strong development in in our company's earnings. And that's, of course, feeding through to dividends as well, which is great. And I would characterize the fourth one as extreme market positioning in terms of sector and stock positioning. That was extreme going into the autumn, even when the rally in stock markets had begun back in March after the COVID-19 initial outbreak. You saw that it was actually quality stocks driving the rally in the first few months. And we found that period to be quite frustrating because we saw lots of value in our portfolio, but it wasn't coming through. We needed those events. We needed the economy to turn. We need the earnings to turn. That's now all happening. And we're seeing very strong performance in our NAV coming through, which is very exciting. Great. I mean, are there any areas you'd highlight in particular, specific sectors that have done well or, or that kind of thing? We're pretty excited about some specific areas, Cherry. So so if we think quickly about what those are, well, actually, the first area I would say is that the UK domestics and the financials that we've held for some time now, seeing tremendous value in those. Those were held down by the lack of um, economic growth um, that we saw really since the Brexit referendum. So it's been a long period of, of those stocks being cast aside by the market. They were always good companies. They were always good, strong, high ROE businesses that, that had the potential to deliver. And um, we just needed a catalyst for them. And that catalyst has now arrived. So I'd say that those domestics and financials are now getting to work, which is very exciting. I think, I think it's still early days, but they are, they are certainly starting to work, which is great. I would also say that emerging markets and mining um, in particular is, is forming very strongly. You know what um, emerging markets, Cherry, is what's interesting about it is that they are not reliant on all these government handouts that we're seeing in the UK and the US and other Western economies. So what we're seeing with emerging markets is that these are countries that are standing on their own two feet. And I think that's going to allow them to come out of this COVID situation very strongly. They don't rely upon, you know, zero cost bonds, really. They haven't got access to zero-cost bonds. And I think also what we're seeing is is a sort of super cycle developing potentially in areas like mining, because of course, that um, you know, actually if you're printing lots of money in the West, that money's got to go somewhere. And we're seeing that money going into scarce assets, whether it's property or whether it's housing or whether it's copper, for example, you know, actually the, the things that are scarce in the world, you're seeing good asset inflation in those things. And so we're positioning this portfolio to benefit from, you know, both the domestic um, reflation that we're seeing here in the UK with with our domestic positions and our financials positions, but also this emerging markets resurgence that we're going to see. 
Great. Now, many people will be taking an interest in the trust for its yield. Um, I wonder if you can talk a bit about what's happened with dividends in the trust over the past 12 months. Yeah, so 5.8% dividend yield as I sit here today. I'm looking at my Bloomberg screen. That's the historic dividend yield. So if you look at the four quarterly dividends that were paid through 2020, the last one was, I think, declared on the 20th of February, um, went X on the 12th of March. Um, if you add those last four dividends up, you get 20.6p. So that's a historic number. That's what we've paid in the last four quarters. Now, if you divide that by today's share price, you get to 5.8%. That's the dividend yield. Now, some people will look at that dividend yield and they'll say, that seems a bit high. Um, now, I think we need to put this in some context because it's rather interesting to me. We spent much of the last 10 years, so I took this portfolio over in 2011, rebuilding reserves. It was a period of very, you know, the, if, if you think about it as the sort of fixing the roof, well, we fixed the roof when the sun was shining. We, we built up really good reserves. So at the end of our financial year 19, September 19, we had 13.7 months of reserves and that fell to 10.5 months of reserves in the year to um, September 20. So, so actually we went into this with decent reserves. We, we, were, we were making sure that we, we were paying out what we had what we'd built up. The fact is that we, we did deplete reserves. So, so that number was a downward trend, 13.7 down to 10.5. Of course, of course, you know, we, having fixed the roof when the sun was shining, we then had the capacity to pay out. You know, you can call it a rainy day, but it felt more like a hurricane last year than a rainy day. And I hope we don't get COVID-19 repeating every year. I, I certainly don't think we will. And I think you can see that the number of cases falling in countries that have vaccinated their population is, I think, rather exciting. So 10.5. Now, we then adjusted that for the final dividend. The months of reserves falls to 7.5. So yes, factually, historically, yes, we've now, you know, that 7.5, it's still a lot of reserves. And what we're now seeing, if we look forward, is we're seeing companies coming out with extremely encouraging statements. They are reinstating their dividends if they stop paying. And about 30% roughly of our portfolio at the moment have interrupted their dividends. About 60 to 70% of the current portfolio has been paying continuously. So, so if you think about that as actually, you know, those, those stocks that have interrupted their dividend payments are starting to pay again. That's encouraging. The companies that have been paying continuously, in many cases, still growing their dividends. These aren't down and out stocks. Um, these are often companies that are, well, that most of them are finding life is getting better. So, so actually, so that, that's all very encouraging. So if you then, you know, think about, well, in the context of some decent reserves and actually at the margin things feel like they're getting better for the economy if you look at the nominal gdp growth forecast for the uk we're talking about seven percent this year and many many people are expecting some people are higher some people are lower but but that's sort of ballpark seven percent nominal gdp growth the outlook for dividends for the market seems okay and and that sets us up i think um for the board to make a, a decision and uh so, so I'll leave it for, for our listeners to decide um, what they think. But you're reasonably confident um, that companies will come through with their dividends for the year ahead and, um, and this can, you know, support payouts going forward. Certainly at the company level, Cherry, absolutely, yeah. And, and so 
what I've been doing over the last 12 months is sifting through the UK stock market and listening to the analysts of our 15 strong team here at Aberdeen Standard Investments and making sure that I'm positioning the portfolio in a way which allows the portfolio to generate some decent dividend growth. And, and I think that that's been um, my focus. And, and so that's, that's what I can do. And I think the external tailwinds that we're now seeing as the economy continues to uh, recover very strongly, you know, that, that kind of nominal GDP growth that's consensus, it's, you know, that's, that's not been seen for, a, well, throughout our lifetimes, actually. That's, that's, a, that's the kind of nominal GDP growth rate that is a significant tailwind. I think it's worth thinking, actually, about what that means in terms of sector rotation, because we've positioned this portfolio to make sure we will benefit from any sector rotation that happens. Actually, that was going to be my next question. So, um, you know, the, the changes you've made to the portfolio over the last six months, I mean, are there, are there any you'd highlight in particular? Yeah, well, it's really just being quite clinical and laser focused on the sectors and the stocks that are going to be beneficiaries of this new environment. So, so really, you know, actually, every day coming in, making sure that I'm absolutely 100% focused on which stocks are going to benefit from this new environment. Actually, this is the time to go through the portfolio and make sure that we are exposed to companies with the best earnings upgrades potential on attractive valuations. And and so, you know, I look at the portfolio holistically. I think about it um, in terms of sectors and themes. I think about it in terms of risk factors, like the bond yield move has been helpful in the last six months. Um, I'm aware of that. I'm also aware, of course, that the pound recovering, it's currently 139 as I sit here today. That's a big move. I think you and I have talked about Brexit in the last few months. It doesn't get mentioned anymore. You know, that it's, it's bad news if you're a shellfish exporter, but actually if you're the CEO of a company um, in the UK, it's unlikely Brexit's at the top of your mind. The pound is therefore rallying. We're positively exposed to that. So I've thought about this portfolio very hard, um, you know, made sure that we've got plenty of exposure to financials, because I think those are going to be key beneficiaries, made sure I've got plenty of exposure to sectors like house builders and the things that go into houses like sofas, so DFS, uh, market leader, approaching a 40% market share. Um, you know, there's some decent pricing power there coming from that, because some of their peers have gone by the wayside in the last year. So yeah, their time I, I believe is, is coming, and I think we've, we've done a lot of work on those. So, so yeah, that's, that's all quite encouraging. And then, and as I said, the, you know, making sure we've got plenty of exposure to emerging markets. You know, I, I've, I've built a position in the last three months in a company called Vivo Energy. They distribute fuel in Africa, mainly under the Shell brand. And, you know, it's been a really tough COVID for many countries uh, around the world, including in, in parts of Africa. Um, you know, people haven't been driving as much as they, they, they were. That stock fell quite sharply. We think it's trading on a really attractive free cash flow yield and dividend yield. You know, in, in, and you can see that um, the dividend in consensus forecasts puts puts it at uh, quite an attractive valuation, and that's that's, uh, that's said to be covered by free cash. So, so a company like Vivo Energy, we can we can hold in the portfolio and benefit from you know the the unwinding of these lockdown measures. Great. And are you optimistic that the recent rotation in markets can continue or, or is it actually quite dependent on vaccines or, or, or can the recovery continue independent of, of, of those considerations? That's a really good question. So I think some people, I, I, I see people dismissing this rally as a dash for trash and I see it as, you know, like 
people wanting to sort of believe that this is a sort of one-off thing that's just going to we're just going to go back to the way things were with all the um, quality growth stocks outperforming and all the sort of tech stocks outperforming the consumer staples stocks outperforming uh afraid that's wishful thinking you know what we're seeing here could well turn out to be a sustained rotation you know and and, and i do think that the market's going to take time to adjust to these new realities you know that the, there is significant output gap in the global economy that means that policymakers are really sensitive about raising interest rates that means we've got monetary policy on our side we've got fiscal policy on our side because austerity is not something policymakers want to keep pushing they've learned their mistakes from you know george osborne and and, and his counterparts around the world even germany has stopped talking about austerity you know that was the country that, that couldn't hear of any inflation so it's clear to me, and um, you know, I'm sure many listeners have looked at economic history and have looked at you know, the, the trade-off between economic growth and inflation, and they'll know that at different points in the past, policymakers have emphasised inflation or economic growth. It's very clear to me that they're emphasising economic growth right now. They're going to let things run hot for a bit. You know, I've been talking quite extensively with my fixed income colleagues in the last couple of weeks. Um, they're very much aligned on this. It's it's very clear to them that inflation is going to be allowed to run hot, that we will get some prints in the next few months, which are on from inflation, which are going to be a bit shocking to people because econ economies around the world are reflating. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that there's going to be a sustained period of high inflation, but there will be there will be times in the next few months when people do question, you know, how they're positioned when they see that and they see bond yields responding. And, and and when they see the GDP growth prints coming through. So uh, this isn't a one year thing. You know, let's let's think about it. So even if it is. One year or two years, you've got to think about how stocks are valued anyway. So so it's not like, you know, you could say that quality growth stocks are desperately cheap right now. Anyway, they're not. They've had years of outperforming. They're pricing in sustained high returns. So hold on a minute so let's look at it the other way let's look at value stocks so so some of these cheap cheaply valued stocks are on dividend yields that imply that those dividends are unsustainable but earnings are going up so what happens when people find out they are sustainable the thing that could move is the share price there because that's what adjusts and i don't think we're fully through that adjustment process yet jerry what about ESG in all this? I mean, ESG is often seen as slightly incompatible with with a value approach, but but is that is that really the case? Yeah, it's something we talk about a lot. So I think there's an there's a maturity going on with ESG. I think at first, clients might have been wowed by people saying that they observe the MSCI tear sheets and MSCI says a stock is this or MSCI says a stock is that, and we certainly, when we speak to company management teams, there's, there is some frustration actually building here that what a central bureau says the ESG score is on a company can be quite different from the reality. Um, so that's why it's important to delve deeper and ask questions and have your own ESG analysis, which is what we do on the desk. We also have a centralized ESG facility. So, so really those asking the, the, the questions beyond what's on these fact sheets um, you know, and, and actually saying a company, if a company, what the way I think about it is this, Jerry, is that if a company is listed, what can we do to help improve outcomes? Is there things that we can do to make sure that that company does the best it can do? 
in terms of E and S and G, all three, and and actually, you know, we can be good stewards. If a company delists, you're reading about this at the moment, aren't you? Reading about companies like Anglo's, they're they're divesting their coal stake. Well, their coal business. Now, what what good is that going to do the world? So that coal business will still exist. So I think there's a sort of growing up phase here with ESG, which is many of these companies are still going to exist, whether they're listed or whether they're unlisted. We need to play our role in make sure those companies behave. Great. OK, and then just finally, if we, if we could chat about a bit about the risks that uh, you're looking out for in the next 12 months. I mean, you've you've mentioned inflation there, but, you know, possibly higher interest rates. Um, wh what kind of keeps you awake at night? Part of it, Cherry, is, is what kind of inflation it is. So it's actually like a different language, this bond market. So I'm sure that many of our listeners will relate to that. So, you know, actually what kind of inflation we have. You know, and, and what the bond cur yield curve does. So so actually, let's think about this. So, you know, let's say talk about EM, for example, emerging markets. So emerging markets can perform when bond yields are rising. Historically, that's shown to be true if that is driven by nominal GDP growth and accompanying that nominal G GDP growth, you get some inflation and you get bond yields rising. But actually, all those things together can be a perfectly acceptable environment for emerging markets. What the stock market doesn't want to see is some kind of inflation surge, which isn't accompanied by growth, because that's altogether a different kind of inflation. So I think, yeah, what kind of um, increase in bond yields, what's driving the increase in bond yields will be important for sector rotation. But I do think, you know, actually, let's let's go back to basics here. Long dated assets don't like higher discount rates or higher bond yields. OK, so that's that's where that's where I think all of our listeners need to be thinking. How is your portfolio in terms of that big picture question? If you have lots of tech, how is that going to perform having performed so well when discount rates are falling? Are we anchoring off a different set of circumstances? That, that that's that's happened for a long period of time, particularly intense, by the way, since about 2017, 2018. Um, so, so, you know, let's be careful that we don't anchor off circumstances that may well have changed. So I, I think that's the key question that I think um, I would encourage our listeners to ask. And then how is your portfolio diversified? You know, is your portfolio having performed very well in certain stocks and funds and sectors is it is it ready for this this change that, that that may well be coming or may may be happening now frankly great okay we'll leave everyone with that question thank you so much for your time and insights today tom listeners can find out more about the trust at www.aberdeenstandardequityincometrust.com and thank you so much for tuning in Podcasts from Aberdeen Standard Investment Trusts. Invest in good company. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments of products mentioned herein. 
and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen Standard Investments. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.